welcome to On the Record with Furniture Today, a podcast that goes behind the headlines to look at the news and the newsmakers, the people and the personalities that give the furniture industry its unique flavor. I'm your host, Bill McLaughlin, Editor-in-Chief of Furniture Today. Hello, and welcome to this edition of On the Record, brought to you by Klausner Home Furnishings, the leading solutions provider for the home furnishings industry. Now, here's your host, Bill McLaughlin. All right, welcome to On the Record. My guest this week is Jerry Borgini, President and CEO of Therapeutic International. Jerry, welcome. Thanks for taking the time right before Las Vegas market, which is always a challenge. Thanks for having me on this, Bill. Appreciate it. Yeah. Now, what I'd like to do is, before we get started talking about all the interesting things that are going on in the industry right now, you actually started um, as a retailer at a place called 40 Winks. Right. Um, What'd you learn there? What was that like? Well. You know, I think I have a unique perspective as a manufacturer today because um, in the underpinnings of my career were at retail. So I have a unique view when we develop a product. I typically, we don't develop it through the eyes of a manufacturer. We develop it through the eyes of a retailer. I still see things on how it would play on a retail floor, how it could be received by consumers. So Everything we do is really uh, predicated. Our, our, the baseline of our language is is retail. What kind of a difference does that make? I mean, give me an example of something that you might, the way that you might position a product or a feature that you might add when you look at it with your retail eyes and say, this is what's going to resonate on that floor. Well, I, I think retailers, look, I think manufacturers do this as well, but I think it's more sensitive to retailers. I think they view value stronger than do the manufacturers because the retailer is the person who is presenting it to the consumer eye to eye and 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 they're on that firing line you know the manufacturers may be in the in the game room planning the game but the retailers are the guys that are on the line playing the ball right with the consumer so it's instantaneous when it's a failure to a retailer, he just sees it immediately. Manufacturers, sometimes it takes us weeks, months, or it could be even a year before we this just really isn't working. Retailer, the, the timeline on retail is immediate. Uh, it happens you know, at the end of the day. They know if you know, their scorecard is a daily card. They know if it's been a, a win or a loss every day. And I think for our manufacturers, for us, it takes longer. We, we view things more in, in, a, in a longer timeline. So I think for that reason, the retailer is a much more nimble group than we are because they make the adjustment a lot quicker because they have to. Retail has changed so much in, in the last couple of years. When you reflect back on that time of your career and look at retail today, how do you think retail has changed? Well, you know, the biggest change is the Internet. You know, when I was a retailer and you're looking 20 years ago, so a lot has happened in 20 years. Um, the internet was more of an information source than it is today. You know, retailers had inter- some of, some of the retailers had internet sites, but they weren't interactive sites. They were really informational sites, sites that would help consumers gather product information, but still drive them into a store to make the purchase. Today with the internet, the internet is could be one and done. It's just let me get my phone, let me look at it, let me order it, and I'll have it. So that's been the big change. And I think that's the challenge for retailers today 
is how can they partake in this uh, technology revolution and, and this this consumer revolution of how they do purchase product. I think the key challenge for retailers today is how do they engage in that cycle? How do they how do they hitch their cart to that horse? They have to uh, to survive. Speaking of how consumers buy product, the boxed bed business has really had a, a significant impact on the traditional mattress players and the traditional mattress selling paradigm. Mm -hmm. um, what's your thought on, is that good for the business? How do you think it's going to change it? What, what is your view on boxed beds and their impact? Well, you know, truthfully, it seems like every 10, 15, or even 20 years, we have some type of new revolution or evolution of a product that really carries the bedding industry with it. You know, and 20 years ago, it was viscoelastic mattresses, memory foam mattresses. And, and you know, they were, you know, some people tried to say they were no good. Some, long story short, every one of us is making memory foam mattresses today, and it's been a, a boost to everyone's business. Uh, the box bed business is that new memory foam mattress, in my view, anyway. I think it's a beautiful thing for the mattress industry. It's a wonderful thing. It's providing us with a whole new tangent of opportunities to grow our businesses. Uh, and, and, you know, one company maybe didn't start it, the Casper company who just, you know, was trying to have a uh, IPO this week or last week. They didn't invent this category by any stretch of the imagination, but they did popularize it. They, they sort of uncovered it. And, uh, we owe them a debt of gratitude because these were the guys who have made this both interesting and accessible for consumers. And there's not a mattress company in the business today that isn't in this category in some way, shape, or form. And most of us are in it in a stage of its infancy in terms of what it'll be in five years from today. So I think it's the, the biggest growth opportunity in the mattress business. Every one of us is in it now. And every one of us will be in it um, bigger and bigger. You had said, I think, at one of our betting conferences that conceivably the box bed business could be 95%. Of well, I didn't say 95. I don't think it'll be that big. But um, because some beds just, it's not, it's not realistic. They can, can be uh, compressed. Uh, but I think it will be greater. I think the number will be somewhere between i think all i think about a, a between two-thirds to three-quarters of the mattresses sold in five years will be delivered compressed whether they're in a box a cellophane wrap or a or hermetically sealed tube uh, they're going to come compressed to the consumer and i mean do you think that that's something that is going to change the retail selling paradigm i mean when i think of the traditional specialty store um, format or even traditional furniture stores and how they play in the category. Um, does that make the category more of a take with category? Well, it could be, but I still think by and large consumers don't want to be fussing with that. Uh, I don't think consumers want to go to a retail store to carry home a mattress unless it's a necessity. Um, it's just too much trouble. You know, you don't go to an appliance store and you don't expect to leave with the refrigerator in your pickup truck if you had one. Uh, 
and I think consumers are like that with a mattress. A mattress isn't too far less bulky than a refrigerator is. Um, I don't think that's going to change that part, but I think you know the re the showrooms and the uh, or the warehouses, especially of retail operations, are going to change to accommodate this new configuration of of compressed beds, and um, you know how they ultimately are delivered is obviously going to change. They they don't necessarily have to go on a company owned and operated vehicle any longer. It could go UPS can come to a retailer, pick up the goods, and schedule it for delivery. And 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 as a retailer, I could tell you, you know, the the the, the ugly side of retail, the worst thing about it was always delivery. It's a beautiful thing to promote and sell. It was fun, it's exciting, it's sexy, it's all those good things. Delivery is the nightmare of the business. And if we could eliminate some of the problem on the delivery end, we just made this category just a whole lot easier to partake in. One of the outcomes so far in the uh, that's resulted from the box bed piece is you've seen a lot of very low cost, um, particularly imported mattresses. And I know because of the you know the anti dumping duties that have been applied, some of some of the Chinese mattresses have, that the uh, exports from China have gone down, but it does seem to have had a um, an erosionary psychological impact on mattress prices. What do you think? traditional or, or um, non-direct-to-consumer players need to do to strengthen the better end of the business? You know, to every positive, you know, there is a contrasting negative. And that, to the positive of this compressed mattress category, that negative is that low-end um, import uh, equation or part of it, part of the equation. Uh, it's unfortunate, but it's always it existed. There's always been a low end. There's always been a $49 mattress in a retailer's ad. And that's something retailers have always contended with. And that's something consumers have always contended with. Consumers who read ads, they would, you know, I'm talking, you know, when I was a retailer, if you read my ad and every competitor's ad, I guess you would deduct, you would, you would figure, I guess we're going to spend somewhere between fifty and ninety-nine dollars for this new mattress, and then you would get to the store and you'd be hit with a thousand and fifteen hundreds, and you know they weren't as high as they are today, but um, it's even more extreme today. You know, the consumer that sees the one ninety-nine queen set and is quite surprised when they go to the store to see maybe what it is or how it's available or when it's available and what is. In, in comparison, accessible to them today in that store. So that's something I think we've always had to deal with, which is the low end. My my suggestion to retailers is stay the course, stay true to your soul and what your core values are as a company, and try not you look. You can't ignore what's going on around you, but try not to be overly influenced by it, and to conti continue. You know the great thing about the mattress business, we make it a wonderful product. We make an American-made product in most cases. It's of high quality. It delivers on its premise of better sleep. Uh, it, it, it's nine times out of 10, if not higher. It's a wonderful value. It's a great value. There's so many good things that we have to talk about as both manufacturers and retailers to the consumer about our product that we could and should be proud of. So, uh, you know, the $99 
bed in a box or $199 bed in a box is not one of those things that we should be talking about. So I would say my suggestion to consumers would be beware of it, but do not let it influence you to allow you to take your eye off the real story, which is you're selling quality sleep and quality value to a consumer. You've been a, a longtime member of the, the Better Sleep Council. Um, how do you go about selling that concept of better sleep? Do you think the industry is doing uh, a good job these days of selling better sleep? Well, I'll say this. We're doing a whole lot better job at it today than we were 20 years ago. It was really an abstract concept 20 years ago. Uh, it was very rarely threaded through the selling story uh, at retail or, or from manufacturers. So today that story is a lot more accessible. It's a, it's a lot more top of mind and it's you know on the tongues of a lot of retailers talking about better sleep. I think we could do a better job at it. Certainly we could. But, you know, it's just one of the equations. You know, people aren't just going into retail stores or going online looking for better sleep. They're looking for a lot of other things, too. And one of them is value. So it's it's a multi-pronged conversation that retailers have to have. And better sleep is just one of those spokes in the wheel that they could and should be talking about. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up and you talk about, you know, multi-prongs and, and all the various spokes in the wheel. One of the interesting things in Casper's prospectus when they talked about their IPO is they talked about the sleep economy. And I think the they said, that, you know, they talked about the hour or two before sleep when you and then after you wake up and they were I'm looking at all kinds of products outside of the mattress. Um, do you think that that's a path that they're going to pioneer a path that other players on the mattress category might look at to sleep apnea devices and apps? and? Yeah, all those products are available. So again, just like Casper didn't invent the bed in the box, they're not inventing any of these accessories or the accoutrements that people are using to sleep. Um, you get these products at a, at, a Walmart, at a Walmart or a Walgreens or a CBS. You get them in a lot of places, Bed Bath & Beyond. They sell a lot of these things. We we license some of these things to Bed Bath & Beyond today as we speak. So I think in their perspectives, if there's one criticism I had of their perspectives, I think they, they, they definitely overstated um, their ability to extend their line into some of these uh, other areas. Those areas are, I think there's very, on the other hand, I think it's very clever of them. It's very wise of them to wrap it into their product in their own stores or wherever they are selling on their own website. But I don't think it's something that they're pioneering or they're, you know, this, these areas already exist. One of the things you mentioned is that they popularized boxed beds. Do you think they may have identified a potential opportunity for the whole industry to bundle or, or even for a retailer to bundle all of these accessory products on a retail selling floor. I mean, I, I could see a lot of furniture stores um, adding in these kinds of accessories as a way of extending that sale, bringing the consumer back in, because ultimately a mattress is, is not a, you know, it's not a frequent purchase, right? It's not like going to the supermarket and buying a, a dozen eggs every week. Um, do you think that they, this might represent an opportunity for furniture and specialty retailers to, to rethink some of the things they have on their floors? I think most retailers are already doing this, maybe not with the same exact products that Casper is, is selling, like CBD gummy bears or mood lights or whatever it is, but retailers are bundling 
pillows or mattress toppers or mattress covers. They're, they're a lot of uh, more of the mainstream mattress accessories are being bundled in top flight retailers throughout the United States today and throughout the world, actually. Uh, what Casper's doing a little differently, they're, they've, they've identified some different accessories, some, some that aren't what we would consider, you know, mainline accessories. They've identified some unique ones, and that's kind of cool because, hey, look, one thing that I think, you know, I've always tried to be as an executive is open-minded to change, and Casper has definitely rung our bell to say, hey, look, this is something that's different. This is the change. And and they were on the forefront of that change. And uh, if it's a good change, every other, <laughs> look, we're all, we're all chameleons. We're all copycats to a degree. If there's something good, we're going to, we're going to get involved with it. Just like box beds. You know, it's not an easy thing for a lot of manufacturers, conventional manufacturers to get into box bedding because it involves, you know, about a half a million dollar uh investment but guys are making it today we're making those investments our factories are investing in this kind of equipment so that we can uh, meet the needs of today's consumers or tomorrow's consumers or the desires of those consumers and those those desires are changing and they're they're demographic changes you know a lot of them are demographically driven uh, gen xers look at things different than baby boomers and Millennials look at things different than Gen Xers and the, the new Gen, what is it, Gen Y? These guys are looking at it all differently again. So uh, there are layers of this demographic. We want to try to appeal to as many of them as we can. It's a difficult thing because they are so different. The needs or the desires of these different demos are, are, are really so, so unique, which makes it, you know, one size doesn't fit all, which can bring back Casper. Casper started out with a one one bed program. Well, they, they've changed that. So look, you've got to be really, really flexible, nimble, and uh, adapting to change to be successful today. Hope you're enjoying this edition of On the Record. This episode is brought to you by Klausner Home Furnishings, the leading solutions provider for the home furnishings industry. Once again, here is your host, Bill McLaughlin. You mentioned the investment in box beds and the way that that changes your investments. The other thing that it seems that box beds change is um, the, the traditional paradigm of having licensees manufacturing in close proximity to individual markets. I know a lot of bedding companies have had licensees all around the country and you use them to manufacture. Um, when you have the ability to make a bed and store it in a single location and you've removed the logistics uh, from the equation somewhat, does that change the way that um, the bedding business has historically been done? Do you think that has a fundamental impact to some degree yes other degrees no there's still there's there's still a cost involved with shipping a mattress from new york to los angeles or vice versa so you know the the freight on the product even though when it's compressed it's it's diminished that freight cost still is a significant freight cost to move the product 
from a manufacturing facility to a consumer's home. So I don't think that the box bed business is going to antiquate any current model that we have. I don't think it's going to antiquate the licensing model as to your question, for instance. I think it gives it more opportunity to grow it. And uh, I see, I, I look at all these, all these disruptors that we have in the industry, to me, they're not problems. And I mean this sincerely, and it sounds like, you know, maybe it's some kind of uh, Tony Robbins speech, but it's really my true DNA, how I think. This is great opportunity for us. Hmm. One of the other things you mentioned as you were talking about Casper's accessories is something CBD gummies. Now, interestingly, you're coming to Las Vegas market with your own CBD story um, in a mattress. Tell me a little bit about that and what inspired well, that. It's unique for us to be a pioneer or a trailblazer in the industry. That's not therapeutics position in the marketplace. We're not a market leader. We're a second tier mattress company. We're typically a really good second guy in to a, a category such as memory foam. We didn't we didn't invent or popularize memory foam, but we were real strong to get into it real quickly soon when it became popular. Uh, any Under my tenure here, and I've been here for 17 years now at Therapeutic, which is a long haul, um, but during my tenure, anytime we had really successful uh, product releases, they were usually of existing well-accepted categories, maybe like the pocketed coil. We had a pocketed coil line that was real successful. We certainly had, had a memory foam line that was real successful. But anytime we've sort of pioneered a product, I, I think we made, I think Therapeutic made the first or took to a, a market, the first hybrid product. It was prior to it even being referred to as a hybrid, but we failed rather miserably with that. It was a, it was a pioneering endeavor for us. And I don't think that the retailers come to Therapeutic looking for these trailblazing ideas. They come to us looking for better value on what are already the accepted ideas. So when we came up with the CBD idea, uh, it was kind of a new idea and it came together on a variety of different fronts. And it's taken us much longer to do than it's taken us a whole year of preparation to get this product ready. So we're hoping it's on the mark. We hope it's good. Uh, we had a customer or a friend of mine who was in the furniture business. His family owned a, a hemp farm and they started making CBD product. And the gal who works for with us, Susan Mathis, our vice president of brand operations, her husband is one of the preeminent uh, executives or, or, or experts in the cosmetic business. And about a year ago, he was asked to put together uh, a, a CBD cosmetic line for one of the major companies. And those two things came together. And I said, look, here you have a product that induces restfulness and calmness, and it's also used as treatment for insomnia. How could that be bad in a mattress? <laughs> yeah. So we started working on it, and it wasn't well received by a lot of our suppliers, you know, to talk them into doing it with us. Um, you know, we're not a big enough company that we can't pour our own foam with CBD into it. We had to talk a farmer into doing it. We had to talk fabric company into putting it in a fabric and, and we've, we've done it. We've come up with a legitimate offering, the CBD offering. It's called B, the letter B mm -hmm. hyphen calm. That's the name of the line. 
It's going to be a three-number lineup. It's going to start at $9.99 and go to $14.99. It's going to be available either in a box or flat-packed. It'll be a factory select decision. Some of our factories are still not ready to do a boxed bed, so we wanted to give them the option still to make this product and deliver it to their retailers. And uh, it, we're hoping it's going to be good. And we think it's going to be a big thing. We're getting a lot of excitement from it. You guys have written it up and and, and some of the other trade publications have. So we're getting a lot of uh, a lot of pre-market excitement about it. So we're hoping it's good. Well, I mean, CBD is something that people are talking about in a lot of different ways. I mean, oils and salves and, I mean, a whole range of products. CBD, I mean, the, the that whole, the hemp economy seems to be just exploding. So it certainly is, I think, top of mind with consumers. It's top of mind, Bill, but it's also very misunderstood yet today. And um, that's going to be our challenge to help make it understandable to the consumer, the retailer first at the market. And can he translate that to his consumer? So that's going to be the interesting part of this equation. Uh, most people don't know the difference between hemp, CBD, or marijuana. I consider I was in that category. I didn't know anything about any of it. And uh, so it's been an educational process for me. Uh, we're going to hopefully be able to translate that educational uh, element of it to the retailer who in turn can take it to the consumer. There's also a, a little bit of a subtle shift with your introduction of this product in terms of how mattresses and the sleep proposition is being positioned. Um, a lot of times the industry talks about sleep as an energizer, right, as a rejuvenator. And uh, the energy that you get from deliver from delivering better sleep, right. you're talking about it in a more calming, I mean, even the name, Be Calm, um, is, is bringing a, a a kind of subtle psychological shift to the marketing positioning. Look, sleep is a cycle, okay? Uh, you don't start energized when you go. You you want to be calm and restful when you start it. And the process is restorative. So the idea is you go from a restful state to a restorative state to ultimately then an energized state. So, you know, if you look at it, it's, it's three segments. You know, there, there are three distinct cycles in that sleep environment and we're talking about the entry cycle the restful calm cycle so that you can be rested you can be relaxed you can go to sleep so that you will have a healthy sleep to be re-energized restorative did all these good things so that you can wake up refreshed energized and uh, ready to jump out of bed the mattress industry seems to do a really good job of, and I don't know for lack of a better word, infusing mattresses with different kinds of elements. And we've seen a lot of that, um, mm -hmm. whether it's copper or mm -hmm. gold. or um, Is that something that we're going to continue to see more of? Is that... Um, you know, is that the technology getting better? Is that the industry's real excellence at finding new marketing angles? What's behind all of this? Well, as, as the science gets better at all these things, you know, um, we are able to embrace it and we were able then to bring it into our product. You're right, mattress, the mattress industry always has been in the forefront of marketing, uh, clever marketing uh, that has had unique handles to present to consumers for health or wellness benefits. Uh, the CBD is the latest thing. Uh, you know, CBD wasn't around five years ago, or if it was, no one really heard of it. 
you know, I, I, I was driving, you know, you just go to work and I passed maybe three or four places that would have these big signs say CBD. And I'd say, what is it? <laughs> CBD. <laughs> and then somebody would tell me, I'd say, oh, wow. Like, I didn't know that was legal. I didn't know they could sell that here in, in this state. And, and hey, look, it, it, science has delivered a, this non-hallucinatory part of the hemp plant. And, and they've been able to derive this particular oil that has a calming and a restful effect on people. And, and as I said to you, you know, uh, it's even prescribed by some medical people in the medical community as a treatment, not a cure, but a treatment for insomnia. And these are all good things to have in a mattress. So let's hope that we can deliver it with enough benefit that a consumer will enjoy some of these benefits. Why is it, I mean, you've been a retailer. Why is it that you think retailers are so much more accepting of brand names um, and these kinds of technological innovations that have to be associated with a brand on the bedding side than they are on the furniture side? So often it seems like on furniture, the manufacturer brand name is minimized and there's less marketing than you see in the bedding side. Well, one of the reasons for the brand awareness or the brand identification is that the product is a blind product. So consumer needs, there's this great leap of faith that they have to make to spend this kind of money for a product they really can't see. They really can't see inside. You know, furniture, you go into a furniture store, you can open the drawers, bang on it, look at it, say, this is well-made, I can see this, or I can feel it, I can smell it even. Mattress isn't like that, so consequently, the brand name became the, the, the insurance that a consumer would have to make this leap of faith to plunk down their hard-earned money for this product. You know, the brand was their, what was a qualifier to, of, of not only value, but of quality, say. So I think that's why brand names were so, so important in the mattress business. But over the past 10 years, you know, that brand name importance has definitely eroded and you guys do research you see what you know the top brands have lost about 10 point share points over the last five or six years even in terms of their 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 share of the market and they've lost it to guys that are second tier guys like therapeutic and they've lost it to other guys that we never heard of before like casper or people like that so i think there is a um I still think brand awareness is, is very, very important, but I think the store itself is becoming a brand to consumers and products themselves are becoming brands to consumers. Like, you know, I, I don't know that people actually buy a Casper bed because it's a Casper. They buy it because of it's a bed in a box and that's how they want to get it. They don't want to take a day off to wait for a mattress to get delivered. They want to go to work, come home, and have that UPS guy leave it on their front porch. It's cool. It's how it works. There you go. Let me ask you to, to take out your crystal ball, throw it on the desk there in front of you, and look five years out into the future. What does the mattress business look like five years from now? Well, see, I've had that crystal ball, and I've broken it so many times, so it's really unfair for me to even, even propose on that because I'm such a bad prognosticator at these kind of things. But I will say... I think a five-year uh, view to the future is silly because uh, the industry is changing so rapidly that five years is too long of a measurement to, uh, to look at. I think realistically, a three-year 
even when we do our projections, we don't ever go beyond three years anymore because there's just, the changes are too, too fast. They're happening too quickly. And we look really foolish on a five-year forecast. Um, but um, I think, you know, looking ahead three years into the future, you're going to see a lot, a lot more of these compressed mattresses in the market. I think uh, we're going to have to figure out how we, um, it's going to be interesting how the import piece plays into the United States made in America piece. You know, how does that get blended at in U.S. retail? And, um, you know, the world is getting smaller. So a lot of things that are happening in the U.S. really are happening all over the world. And um, I think this mattress business is be going to become more of a global business than it is a, uh, a, a national business as we have it today. But, you know, five years, who, who knows? But I think three years, those are the things I think you'd be looking at. Now, it's interesting that you you talk about a three-year window and looking at a shorter time frame. You've also been a proponent for a long time of shorter warranties. That's uh, That's been an issue for the mattress yeah. business. Um, what's the ideal well, there? Where are we going? It doesn't seem to be as much of an issue for the mattress business as it does for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because we haven't done a really good job at making that change. But I think the warranties are the one great disconnect that the bedding industry has with consumers. And I said this to you earlier, we have this high quality product, it's American made merchandise, it delivers on this promise of better sleep. It's typically sold at a really strong value. And then at the very end of it, we upset it all by delivering a very unreasonable and in many cases an untenable warranty that uh, consumers really don't understand. Uh, it's not realistic. And most importantly, I think it's not fair, and I, I think it is um, deceiving. Our warranties are deceiving. So I wish we could change that. Um, you know, I, I always felt warranties should be measured in days, not years. And it, it's not out of the question for a consumer to take home a $2,000 mattress and expect it to have a one-year warranty. I think that's very fair. But a lot of my contemporaries who are in positions and who don't answer, and they don't answer to their own uh, devices. They answer to equity devices who are who are driven by dollars and, and they don't want to be the guy to reduce warranties because their competitors who are also driven by equity devices would leverage that against them. So th that's where we are in this unfortunate position of 10 year or 15 year. I don't even know what the warranties are today. That's how embarrassed I am by them. I try not to even look at them. All right. So I'd like to wrap up with the thought to, again, to the future. Um, one of the things that I hear from everybody is how difficult it is to get young people into the business today. What would you tell a young person considering coming into the mattress business today? Well, I must think it's a decent business to be into because I encourage my son, who's a young fellow, he's working in the mattress business. He doesn't work for me, he works for a, a competitive situation at this point in time, but he's been he's been a, uh, a vendor, a supply vendor, you know, worked for ticking companies or top of bed companies in the past. So I think the mattress business is a clean, it's an honorable, it's a good business. I, I'd recommend a young person getting into it. Um, I th you know, I think that's the litmus test. You know, I, I let my own son become a mattress business. If it was something I thought was bad, I would certainly discourage him. I think you're seeing more and more young people in it. 
you know, I looked at your conference and I see at Dave's conference, I see a lot of young faces that I've never seen before. And um, I think that's a beautiful thing. That means there's a whole new, there's a whole new wave of growth coming into this industry and they have a different perspective on it, which is cool. Not to listen to us old guys telling them how to do things. I think we have something to offer still in terms of historical value. And there is something to be said. As, ma as many changes as we have, things do stay the same to some degree. But who'd ever thought about, you know, these beds in a box? And who'd ever thought about some of the things that we're doing today with Consumer Direct? We would have never thought of that. So a lot of the young ideas are the people who were benefiting from those. The industry is benefiting from those ideas. What advice did you give your son and what advice would you give other young people in terms of how to grow their career in this business? You know, I always tell this to my son, you're your own brand. You are the brand. Your name is the brand. My son has an unfortunate baggage to carry with his brand because he's a father who has the same <laughs> brand name and he had a grandfather with the same brand name. So he has some... He has some that was in this industry that ha he has some uh, expectations when he walks in the door in a lot of cases. But I always say to him, whether he has my name or not, be true to yourself. Just be honest. You, you're in a great you're in a great business because you deliver such a wonderful product that helps people in so many ways. What a beautiful thing to be in a position that you make a living by helping people feel good. Uh, Leverage that, take advantage of it, enjoy the ride, have fun with it, and just be honest and true to yourself, and you're going to have a good career. Whether you're smart, halfway smart, or not smart at all, you're going to have a good career if you maintain those principles of honesty, integrity, and have a good time on the ride. That's a perfect place to end. Jerry, thank you so much for taking the time with us this week. I look forward to seeing you out in Las Vegas. We'll see you out there. Have a safe trip in Vegas, and let's have a good market together. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. I'm Bill McLaughlin, and this has been On the Record. Thank you all for joining us.